0: Welcome to the Chiropractic United podcast series for the second week in May 2011. This podcast is brought to you by Chiropractic Biophysics Seminars. We have a seminar coming up in London uh, for um, CBP on pediatric adjusting and analysis on May 21st. On June 4th, 5th, we'll be in Las Vegas for biomechanics. And June 25th, we'll be in Atlantic City, New Jersey for posture and systemic health with Dr. Dan Murphy. Also brought to you by Elite Coaching. For more information on Dr. Fred DiDomenico and how his coaching methods can help your practice, go to www.elitecoachingllc.com. Also new to CBP as well as Elite Coaching, we have a new patient care class available. Many of you enjoyed the patient care class that Dr. Harrison and myself did many years ago. Well, Dr. Fred joined forces with CBP, and we have the best patient education class available. It's Youth in Vitality 2011. For more information, browse to either CBP Seminars or Elite Coaching homepage for more information. This podcast is also brought to you by PostureCo, developers of the x-ray digitization EMR known as PostureA. For more information on how PostureA can benefit and build your practice, browse to www.postureco.com. Also, while there, check out our iPhone and iPad screening app known as Posture Screen Mobile. Just submitted to iTunes is the update for a comparison module. Soon you'll be able to do comparisons before and after adjustment or before and after care. So that way you can see how effective your treatment interventions are at correcting those subluxations. Better yet, it's the best educational tool. Imagine your CA doing a posture exam on a patient before you adjust them. Right afterwards, you adjust them. Before they get home, they have in their inbox, in their email, a chance to show their husband or their wife the changes that just occurred with their spine, which obviously leads to better health. So for more information, browse to postureco.com.
1: Welcome to the May 10th edition of Chiropractic United's podcast. Uh, today, we're here with Mr. Vince Cavino. He's a wealth management advisor and a business consultant, not just for chiropractors, but for successful business people uh, all over the United States. And uh, we've welcomed him uh, to the podcast this week so we can talk about some important issues involving chiropractic wealth accumulation and asset protection. Uh, so, our guest today again
2: is Mr. Vince Cavino. Welcome, Vince. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm always happy to talk about business.
3: <laughs> Wonderful.
2: So let, let
3: go ahead, Fred. I was going to say chiropractors need a bit of that.
2: Well, you know, and, and if you look at, you know, personality types, uh, you know, chiropractors have to wear lots of hats and, and some of those, uh, some of those hats are not, um, uh, you know, not conducive to personality types of, of successful chiropractors. You know, some of the, some of the more detail oriented things, some of the things that, you uh, that a manager or technician might be uh, might might thrive in uh, a lot of times you'll find a great chiropractor that uh, does a fantastic job great collections uh, great relationships with clients uh, great communication skills but uh, but on the business side really struggles to wear the the chief financial officer hat or the or the controller hat or what have you so those are some of the things that uh, you know that we're seeing as we as, as we visit with chiropractors and look at their look at their profitability uh, in their business structure, uh, those are some of those detail-oriented things from a from a systems and, and procedural control standpoint. Those are some of the big things that we're seeing for people that are that are frustrating a lot of them.
3: So I know Vince that you've taken a particular passion towards chiropractors. Uh, I mean, you've worked with several business people from all professions. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you chose that specific niche?
2: Well, you know, great question, Dr. Fred, and I, I know I've told you a lot about some of the my introduction to chiropractic, but it's really evolved. My passion has really evolved over the last decade. You know, I, I remember 11 or 12 years ago waking up in a in a St. Louis hotel room, uh, not able to move, and an ambulance came and got me and took... Uh, I took some, oh, uh, what do you call the muscle relaxer? Uh, great morphine. Great, they gave me some morphine, and of course, you know, it was it was great. I didn't know any better. I just know that I felt a lot better after I did it. But but you know, that just kept recurring pain in my left arm. And uh, went to went to three doctors, two surgeons, uh, a neurosurgeon, orthopedic surgeon, uh, and another doctor. And basically, I ended up taking prednisone and ibuprofen. I was taking sixteen hundred milligrams of ibuprofen a day. And uh, you know, here, forty-five days later, feeling like, hey, this is working. You know, I'm back to my life. I, I, can, I can snowmobile. I can snowboard again. I can, I can do the things in Idaho that we like to do uh, when we're not working. Uh, and sure enough, it got worse. Uh, it got terrible and, and extremely painful. And you know, my sister suggested I go in and uh, call, call a doctor. I called her at six in the morning, and I said, it's just, it, it's, it's to that brink. I've got to do something. And she said, well, here, I'm going to give you the name of a guy. Uh, And it was Discover Chiropractic, Dr. Dr. Zane Sterling, uh, who's become a personal friend of mine now over the years. Uh, And I called at 6 in the morning, thinking I'd leave him a message at his office. uh, And just that that message would say, you know, I want to be your first patient this morning. Please call me as soon as you get in. Well, he answered the phone at 6 in the morning. (laughs) I don't know how many chiropractors listening uh, are there at 6 in the morning answering their calls. Hopefully not too many. But, uh, you know, it just obviously that 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 got me back into a, a lifestyle. I remember I remember a, a year later, my first son being born and, and a week old bringing him into the office. And just ever since it's it's been a really tremendous uh, blessing. But I'll tell you how it's evolved. Uh, just, just one more thought on that is, you know, even today, as I was talking to, to a few chiropractors about their business and asking them really what they wanted out of their business, what, you know, as a vehicle, what, what was the end vision for them? And how can we make that a reality from, from setting up a, a, a good, sound business? And for most chiropractors I'm talking to, and, and you and I have talked about this before, but you find that it's about their family. It's about giving back to the community. And that's exactly what I heard this morning. Uh, and, uh, you know, so over the years, it's not just been about chiropractic and what it's what it's given me, what it's given my family, you know, my, my sisters, my brothers, you know, everyone, nieces and nephews, everyone uh, being involved in chiropractic, but but... but it's about um, chiropractors. Uh, I, I think having a, a higher sense of purpose and, and and a calling, and and so that for me has been very fulfilling uh, to help somebody who uh, who I know has got um, uh, you know got purpose and and uh, you know a, a clear vision of what they want in life. So that's that's the, that's what's drawn me to chiropractic. So so about ninety percent of of what we do in our office for consulting uh, from a business standpoint is uh, is is the chiropractors. We enjoy that. So let me. Let me interject
1: here real quick, guys. I uh, forgot to have have Vince do a proper introduction. So, Vince, can I ask uh, what's the name of your company, your location, and
2: a website and number in case doctors want to get a hold of you here? Absolutely. So uh, the name of the company is is, is Legacy. And uh, on the consulting side, uh, the the consulting arm website is LegacyConsulting.co. Uh, and then we have a wealth management arm where, where we, uh, we, we manage assets for chiropractors. Uh, one of the things that I, that I discovered early on in working with chiropractors is that they were using, you know, their friend from church or, or, or someone from down the street at Edward Jones or what have you, you know, or a patient uh, for a lot of their wealth management needs and uh, uh, CPAs were, were, were a lot of times not extremely proactive. And so uh, we determined that, uh, you know, wealth management was a big void for, for most of them as well. And and that website's uh, legacywealthmg.com. Uh, uh, so, well, that's good. It's a good thing I didn't meet Vince at church. I don't go to church. <laughs> yeah. Luckily,
1: I didn't hook up with the local church guy, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but Vince does go to church every Sunday. I know that because many times we can't get together on a Sunday. Uh, he's very into uh, his uh, personal religion and the family assets and things that go with that. Now, did I mention church? We just, you, you said their local guy from church. <laughs> oh, I did? Yeah, it's yeah. all right. Don't worry about it. It's uh, okay. <laughs> we know what you meant. We know what you meant, and that's true. The average chiropractor does, does not know who to consult with on a personal level, level when it comes to their finances. Now, now for me personally, uh, I I met Vince about three years ago, and we started working together first on a personal level with my financial assets, and then I started inviting him to come to CDP seminars. And what I was doing up until about 19 – or not 19, sorry, about uh, 2008, 2009 was – Based on what my father told me to do, I I invested all my money into municipal bonds, and that was big in the 1980s and 90s, and it was great. And it was a lot of chiropractors have heard about that. They did the Whitehall program, they did muni bonds, but that was when municipal bonds were paying 10 to 15 percent in tax-free interest. And I know uh, Dr. Joe Ferrantella, you did a bit of that too, didn't you?
0: I sure did. And the bonds were so safe that I actually made no money too. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: great. So, I mean, when I met Vince, he said, you know, bonds are are one category that are really good in terms of asset allocation, but it shouldn't be where 99% of of your money is. And we started talking and it just coincided when the bond market was kind of crashing. And so he helped me uh, kind of consider different options and, and where to put my money. So, he helped me out personally, and then I started working with him with um, CBP Docs.
2: And, and, you know, back in 2008, when we, I think when we talked about that, that the bond market did have a, a collapse, and it was, it was quite an anomaly. Usually, bonds are, are a safer place to be, but before we're on that topic, I'll just mention, you know, with, with interest rates likely to go up in the United States, that puts bonds in, uh, under a lot of pressure. If interest rates go up, the value of the bonds go down. But I think uh, as we look at when we sold Dr. Deed's bonds, uh, I think we got really pretty fantastic pricing. Um, I, I, you know, he said he had all his money in bonds. I think that amounted to 200 dollars, or no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, you guys know Dr. Deed pretty well. But uh, anyway, you know, it was I was fortunate. He he, he did a lot of uh, you know uh, repositioning some of those things, and it uh, I think it really worked out to our to our advantage in the end.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know the, the thing is. Is Part of the reason Elite Coaching and, and CBP Seminars is working with Vince at Legacy is we want our doctors to be the most successful not only in their business but also in their assets and wealth management and asset protection. and And then and only then can you really have wealth because you're not worried about the financial side of it. You can focus on your personal side of it and focus on the practice side of it. But if you're worried about the income and paying the bills and where your retirement's coming from, things are not going to be that easy in your life. And, and you know, that's really why we're working with uh, events. And I think, uh, Fred and Joe, you'd agree with that, yes?
3: Yep. Well. You- yeah, we, I mean, I see clients of all ages and, uh, you know, my own personal experience is in my 30s, I know, especially going through some marital issues that, uh, you know, you think you have time and then the next thing you know, you're in your 40s. So and now I'm 50 and we have people, I mean, I have people calling me all the time that are in 60 and things just happen, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that lost money and the in the economic downturn and if you don't have somebody that's right on top of that, you know you don't you don't like a lot of your clients Vince, you just got to shift where your money is and make the right moves and I got guys in their late 50s early 60s that don't have a retirement Well and because the lead has a reputation, And we're doing spinal rehab of our clients get paid so well that they end up calling me saying, I I need to retire and I don't have anything to retire on. And that's a, you know, they feel a threatening position.
2: Right. You know, they they, they say in your 30s, you you hear about retirement planning planning and, and putting away for investments. And in your 40s, you worry about in your 50s, you start to hyperventilate. You know, I can tell you uh, when I when I drove up into into the Hilton, uh, into the Harrison Hilton this morning. That's what we call these house uh, out here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when I drove in here, I was on the phone with the doctor, 57 years old, who uh, you know he he had told me when we first started working together a few months ago that that he's collected 30 million dollars in his in his career, which is an immense amount of money, and you know, i averaging over a million a year. And I know at least one year he he did over three million. And, uh, you know, he's, his home's being foreclosed on, uh, he's losing that, he's, he, he's debating right now whether he should go bankrupt or not, and, you know, the shortage there wasn't in collections. The, the, the shortage was in just, just proper planning and, and, and where to invest that money and, and, and how to put it away and have it, having a systematized, systematized disciplined process, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of advisors are going to say, look, you know, invest into this IRA or these tax-free bonds or what have you, and... Obviously, there there are several different strategies, but one of the things that that I think, uh, Dr. Fred, you've done a great job of demonstrating is, you know, first and foremost, invest in yourself. And you know, you've you've put put a lot of time and resources into into Elite, and 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 that in, in turn has uh, magnified the strength, the ability, the resourcefulness for your, for your you know clients, and I think that helps them to then build this engine or this vehicle that can fund their their financial needs and can fund their retirement. So, uh, you know, it, uh, if a client wants to know what their best investment is, don't be afraid to invest back in your business uh, and then on a personal level uh, live in such a manner that, uh, you know, you're living off of a portion of your income and, and the rest is going away into a place that, uh, you know, creditors can't touch it, a place where, you know, a place where it's going to grow tax-deferred or, you know, more... Uh, more uh, if possible, tax free, uh, and just consistency. So, so those are some of the things that, uh, that that we're telling our clients when it comes to you know building a building a net worth and protecting it.
0: Now, Vince, do you work hand in hand with the doctor CPA, or how does it work for the people that don't know?
2: Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, so you know, Doctor Deed, for example, he's talked about this before. He, he had a CPA that uh, and a business attorney that uh, came together to to put together a contract to, to sell his practice and you know, when you're selling your practice, that's one of your, one of your core assets. I mean, for, for a lot of guys out there, their practices are worth, you know, half a million, million dollars. And, and you know, that one little change can make a pretty significant difference. So what we're doing is we're really quarterbacking the team. Uh, you, you know, you want to build a team of, of wise, wise counselors and professionals around yourself. You, you want an, a sophisticated and, and a proactive CPA. You want a CPA that, that deals with other people that make income like you do. If, if you make three hundred thousand a year, you, you want a CPA that works with a lot of people like that. Uh, and, and I think the key is then you, you have a quarterback that's orchestrating the whole picture so that you're you know you're paying as little as taxes as possible. You're putting as much in your pocket as possible. Uh, spoke to a, a, a doctor yesterday who you know he w- he was on payroll for two hundred thousand a year just simply because that was an easier way. For him to, uh, to 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 do a payroll deduction for his taxes, uh, he was paying twelve thousand dollars a year for that convenience, and uh, so so we've got a call scheduled next week with his CPA to fix that, and you know that's an extra thousand bucks a month, which you know doesn't seem that big to a lot of doctors, but but, but it adds up over time, but, you know a little little bit here and a little bit there, so we're we're quarterbacking that event, uh, you know that uh, that that whole process and in, in orchestrating it.
3: Yeah, that's good. You know, I think that's a big difference too because I talk to people like you said. You mentioned CPAs, but CPA is different than a wealth manager. You know, I talk to people all the time that you know you talk about pensions or whatever, and that's not my. I don't really get much into that. But people mention things, and and I think you know I always tell them your CPA isn't managing your wealth. They're crunching numbers. They're not going to tell you how to. Save on taxes, unless that's a specialty. But uh, I think that's significant, Vince, with what you do versus what a CPA does. There's so many people that think their CPAs are saving them money and they're not.
1: Right. You know, I I love our CPA. He's done some great things for us. And if he happens to be listening to this, Tony, I mean, no disrespect. He's done some wonderful things. But we had uh, the CPA and our business attorney look over our contract for the, the sale of the practice, and then Vince said he wanted to take a look at it. To be honest with you, I was pretty skeptical in my mind. I was thinking, what in the hell Vince is going to do, you know? And and I didn't tell Vince that, but that's what I was thinking. And Vince took a look at it. He said, you know, the way you've got this structured is you're going to pay about seventy thousand more in capital gains taxes than you would if you would structure it differently. And I said, well, I don't, I don't want to affect the people buying it. I want to make sure they get the same price um, overall. So we just tweaked the numbers a little bit and, and changed interest and, and sales amount. And it came out uh, in the end, everybody was happy, and I saved seventy grand that I wouldn't have saved before. And uh, I, I make a joke about this, and then after Vince saved me $70,000, he had the audacity to tell
2: me I had to buy lunch. Of that. Well, I'll tell you. That's why the rich get richer because not only I save him seven and he won't buy me lunch. And, and, and in fact, his wife makes these wonderful dinners. That's that's my only chance of getting a free dinner out here. She, she, at least one one of the people in this uh, in this house in, in in this Hilton here, they're uh, you know. see, your value. <laughs> that's right. I don't appreciate it. On one, <laughs> you make a good point. I think Dr. Fred, and that is, you know, CPAs uh, they're, they're going to process what you give them. Their job is to to to, to be compliant. Uh, and, and they're doing a great job of that. The, you, you generally are not hiring a CPA, and I, you know, I don't know that I've yet to find a CPA that's going to sit down and just say, let's look for every single way. You can you can cut taxes. You can be more proactive. You can do this. You can restructure things. Uh, and, and those are things we're looking at, and uh, you know, we, we, we ask uh, uh, folks that, you know, to send us their tax returns, and we take a look at those and, and make sure that we're not missing anything, uh, any, paying any dollars in taxes that we don't need to be.
3: Right. Yep. Cool. Well, I think uh, what is also significant, Vince, and I think you'd probably agree with that. Number one, like you said, one of the reasons that you pick chiropractic is your passion to help in the community, not only help patients, but to contribute in their community. And I think personally, we have a responsibility to be wealthy. I know there are certain people that have different ideas and mindsets about money, but we were called to live an abundant life so we can contribute back and help more people. And the second thing, just as, as entrepreneurs and doctors, my advice, and I'm sure you would agree, would be always have multiple streams of income.
2: Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that because I was listening to a call yesterday by, by a coach. And a lot of people listened to his calls and he said, don't diversify, just focus on your chiropractic office. It can be a goldmine. Just focus on that one thing. And I thought, boy, what energy, what passion he had in his voice when he talked about that. And I thought, well, none of the, none of the passion, none of the, none of the charisma that he's got makes up for the fact that multiple income streams, they diversify you. They complement each other. If you look at State Farm, really any really big successful business, they sell multiple lines to their to their clients, the best State Farm agents out there. They're going to have your auto insurance, your life insurance, your vehicle insurance, you know, everything, an umbrella policy on you. And the statistics show that the multiple lines that, that, that you have with that person, the more likely they are to, uh, you know, to stay with you over the long term. And so, you know, I was talking to one of your clients uh, actually last week, Dr. Fred, who's now starting to implement a nutrition program and some other things into his office. And I said, you know, not only is that going to create another income stream for you, which, by the way, with the right systems, can be managed, and I'm sure Dr. Fred's going to be teaching those systems. You know that can be managed, so it's not taking your time and energy. It's some, it's a matter of delegation. But it, but but it creates a new income stream. It, it you know, you have this cross pollination where now your, your weight loss clients and your in your nutritional clients and so forth are, are are going over and they're spilling over and adding to to new patients on the chiropractic side. So. Multiple income streams, I believe, is not only outside of the chiropractic offices, which is probably what you were alluding to, but even inside your chiropractic office. You know, I like to see the multiple income streams. We we know a lot of doctors who have been very successful, and I know you know the same guys, Doctor Fred, that that uh, you know that, that have the massage therapists, the PAs, the, uh, you know, and they're they're diversifying, that they're increasing their credibility. When, when you talk about a presence in the environment. Uh, you know, I believe that a wealthy generation of chiropractors is long past due and that, uh, you know, when they start to see the chiropractor at the country club or, the, you know, the chiropractor, uh, like, for example, here at, you know, Dr. Dietz's home, people are going to drive by this home and realize here, here's a prominent member in this society, uh, in this community, uh, you know, what does he do? Well, it just, it, it just simply adds credibility. That's how our society is, you know, environmentally conditioned.
3: Well, I think, uh, you know, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, you can finish that thought. I just wanted to
1: kind of get some uh, pertinent facts and numbers for the uh, doctors out there from Vince, but go ahead, Fred.
3: Well, I was going to say, you know, when you talk about multiple streams of income, I think a common mistake, like what you said, Vince, it's always best to invest in yourself. And I, I agree that, you know, there are people that go outside of their office, but then you're chasing two rabbits. There's plenty of things that you can do inside your office that creates multiple streams like an ideal protein or nutrition or there's other services even building your rehab department and uh, you know or have, you know some people integrate with PT that are, with PTs that are doing rehab that boosts things boosts their income you know when you're chasing two rabbits though then then your practice suffers
2: no question. And if you are, you know, if you are a correctional doctor, you know, if you're, if you're working on spine correction, you know, that, that rehab can be a, a just a, Huge. You, you know, you, you, and, and I know we've talked about this for years. I remember years ago where I met you, it, it, it was at a place where, where, there were a lot of high, high volume doctors Like you know, I, uh, I have a lot of clients that are, that are seeing seven, 800 a week, or, you know, if that matters we've got clients that are seeing 1800 patients a week, but some of our clients that really collect the most in dollars, uh, you know, they're, they're seeing a couple of hundred a week, uh, and and collecting four or five times more than people that are seeing five hundred a week. So it's not how many patients a week you're seeing, as you know. It's you know, it's those systems, and and you mentioned Ideal Protein. One of the reasons, and it's not obviously not the only successful weight loss program out there, but. One of the reasons that I believe that they're so successful with the doctors, you know, and I know a lot of your doctors are doing that and are very successful with it, is because it's so systematized. It's the same reason that of all the hamburger joints out there in the world that ever began, that that, that Ray Kroc had one that was extremely successful. That you know that has well, you know thirty thousand stores now at McDonald's, and it is because everything is down to a system. If you if you have it down to systems as good as McDonald's has you know, you, you, you can have that thing run by teenagers. I mean, you, when you drive up into a, into a McDonald's, you know exactly what you're going to get. And it's somebody, you know, he's 16, 17 years old. He's got his, he's got his, you know, nose earrings. He's got some tattoos and, uh, 16 years old and, uh, you know, but, but you know exactly what you're going to get. He's got the systems. And, and so, uh, you know, you, you need the right people on the bus, but really you need the right systems. And those multiple streams of income, boy, they, uh, yeah, you know they work and, in terms of distractions, I think you bring up another good point is, you know, if, if you're not doing things outside the office that, uh, you know, put, put the blinders on. We, You know, one of, my, one of my good friends and a client of mine for several years now was on a path to, to certainly be easily retired at this point, but, but he got really sidetracked and uh, started getting into things, you know, clearly outside the scope of chiropractic that were outside his office. And uh, it just it really crushed him. Uh, you know, he ended up uh, just getting wiped out. Uh, and so, you know, I think I think you make a great point is, you know, a, a laser beam focus and a high level of clarity, multiple income streams inside the office. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just so we can give some uh, in addition to what we've been
1: doing, some some tangible numbers too to doctors. You know, I was one of them but i was on the extreme side of it in terms of you know not knowing how much of my income to actually try to save so what i did was i saved everything possible meaning that you know probably 60% of my my net income went towards uh, retirement and while that was really great at first it kind of didn't leave a whole lot left over to do things with it. it. always felt like, oh, you know, someday, someday we'll be able to, to, um, you know, use the retirement money. So there, uh, you know, there's gotta be a balance, but it's also gotta be appropriate for what the individual needs. So my question to you, Vince is, can you give me three, three ranges where you would recommend that a doctor might, uh, consider saving a percentage of their income in terms of, a small number, a medium number, and then a large number for people in in different ranges or different stages in their life.
2: Yeah, you know, so so on a general, uh, you know, uh, it, it, speaking in generalities, you know, ten percent of gross collections is a good number to target for how much you're putting. So if your gross collections are four hundred thousand dollars, you know, you want to be saving forty thousand a year, and, and if you're saving that through pre-tax vehicles. You know you're you're saving probably somewhere around fifteen grand in taxes, so really you're saving twenty five grand and you're taking and you're taking fifteen grand that would have gone to the IRS and putting that back into your pocket so so it's not you know that's only a couple of grand a month plus the tax savings back in there as well uh, it, a really good saver is saving twenty percent of gross you know if if a doctor's collecting a half a million a year and and, and putting a hundred grand a year into investments and uh, you know, into maybe buying a building, buying his, you know, buying his office building, or, or into investments that uh, that are more liquid. If he, you know, if he doesn't develop some liquidity, we we like clients to have a lot of cool liquidity before they go out and start buying their own building or something like that. Uh, so I, I think that's uh, the first range. But in terms of ages, uh, you know, w- we look for a target by age sixty-five to have, uh, you know, somewhere around five or six million dollars for a client to really live a, a high quality of life. That seems like a huge number. I know, six million dollars. But the reality is, you know, we're going to see inflation. And if and if you're not sure if that's the case, just just think back to when you went to prom in high school. What you know, what it cost you to fill the car up with gas, versus what I, what it would cost you today to do that. You know, it's you know, we're approaching four or five dollar gallon gas, depending on where you live. That's that's not going to change. We're we're going to see. Uh, you know, continued inflation, prices continuing to go up. Your, you know, the the, the cost for, for, for the, the, the folks that are listening today, for them, if they want their their five year old to, to, to go to college and become a chiropractor, you know, plan on three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's a that's a big number. And so, Doctor Deed and I have put together a plan for his children so that so that they're going. Uh, you know, they he's paying for that now on a tax free basis. Uh, you know, and con- controlling that investment now so he doesn't have to to write a check when, when they are now ready to go for, for a half million bucks. That's, that's a pretty big, uh, you know, bite to swallow if you try to do that all at once. Uh, but to get to five or six million dollars, which really in, in today's dollars for, for a 40-year-old might only be, you know, t- two or two and a half million dollars when you adjust it for inflation, you know, a 40-year-old is going to want to save about, you know, 70 bucks a day, you know, probably 50 or 70 grand a year. Uh, a 50-year-old is going to want to save 100 grand a year uh, if he's going to, you know, if he's starting with nothing and he wants to get to six million dollars. And uh, you know, a 30-year-old, it's a, it's a much more gentle slope. Uh, someone, someone in that category could could get away with saving 1,500 bucks a month and, and and build an immense amount of wealth. Understand that, you know, the 30-year-old, by the time he's 65, six million dollars is not going to be what it is today. Uh, and so, you know, you might even you might even raise that bar a little bit more. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're comfortable living off a $10,000 a month income, uh, and you're, and you're 35 years old, well, by the time you're 65, if you still want that same quality of life, you're, you're going to want, you know, six or $8 million saved up to be able to do that. Uh, you know, once you pay taxes, uh, once you put money into a, a conservative investment, cause once you retire, you don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to take a lot of risk. And granted, a lot of, a lot of folks are are saying when I talk to them, look, I'm going to, I'm going to work forever. Uh, you know, I don't ever plan on retiring. I'll tell you, I, I, I talked to plenty of 60, 65 year olds, you know, in Detroit, you know, Dr. Deed and I were sitting out in the hall with, 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 one, one of his good friends and one of my clients, uh, someone that's been a, 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 great, um, made a great contribution to the profession. And he's just, you know, I don't remember exact his exact words, but it was some of the effective. Look, my joints hurt. I'm tired. I'm worn out. And, and 20 years ago, I'm sure he was thinking, I'm just going to do this forever. Yeah. Uh, and so, you, you just want to have that option to where you get to make that choice. You, you, you're going to work because it's a choice, not because it's a, a financial necessity.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think even more than that, too, when you're looking at the philosophy of spinal correction, you know, what's our core value? We want to fix the spine. And there's so many times where there's – and you guys know this, Deed and Joe, that there's guys in there that are phenomenal at correcting spines but they have no business sense or communication. You know, we get these guys that are struggling and they're begging for patience. Yeah. Whereas I think, you know, learn how to communicate and then, you know, use VENTs. And get yourself financially stable, too, so you don't feel like you have to compromise your core values, you know what I mean? And it's like, you're not begging for patients. you're doing your work, you got your first week down, and if someone doesn't want to commit to corrective care, you're in an empowered position. Well, and I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a statistical analyst or
2: researcher like Dr. Deed here, but, but I'm certain that if we were to put on a chart and have, have everybody... At, has ever been to a CBP clinic, uh, do, do an aptitude testing. And Dr. Dean, in, in fact, the three of you each scored them on, on how good they were at correcting the spine. And, and you looked at all their patients' x-rays and their results, and you said, okay, this, this person's in the top 10 percentile of their ability to correct spines. I've talked to some doctors who said, look, you know, my CBP technique is one of the best in the world. And, and I love that confidence, and it very well may be. If we then took that chart... And, and, and did a correlation analysis of their net income or their net worth, we would find no correlation. We could very well find that people that were some of the worst adjusters out there or, or that were paying very little attention to, to correcting this mind are extremely wealthy because they're simply good business people or they've got good business people behind them. And so, you know, creating wealth, protecting wealth, and, and, and running a low-stress office and having a low-stress stress, debt-free life is not highly correlated to being great in, in terms of technique. It's, it's about being great as a chief financial officer, as an operations officer, not as a doctor. Yeah,
1: yep. and you know what, guys? Vince had a hard time talking there because Charlene just made uh, fresh chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven, and
3: we're, nice. we're eating them. Oh, no, so. nice. I'm, I'm getting hungry back here. I thought you just had a speech impediment or something, but you're eating. Okay, that's good. Just, so, you know, on this note, I think on exactly what you said, Vince, that's one of the reasons that Dean and I got together with Elite is because our purpose in coming together is to help CBP docs and spinal corrective docs become the most successful I mean, not only clinically, but to represent what success is in chiropractic, and that's spinal corrective doctors. That's the whole goal of why we're coming together, what ChiroUnited is, why, in fact, you specifically, Vince, that's why you're on here. Mm -hmm. So we need to step up and take responsibility and uh, learn how to communicate, learn how to fix the spine, and then represent what success is in the profession – so we don't have to listen to this guy that just uh, spoke in Florida or whatever the president of uh, National College of Health and Science or whatever they call it, ECC or whatever that is now. Yeah, dog on the subluxation. Yeah, and well, we got to redefine it, man. It's we're you know we take that responsibility.
1: Yeah, and that's just it, and, and we won't name his name, uh, James Winterstein from Nashville. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, you know,
0: before,
1: yeah, before uh, before we move on, uh, Dr. Joe, do you have anything you'd like to add?
0: No, I mean, you know, the, the hardest thing for me coming out of school was, you know, I really didn't have much growing up. And then, you know, when I started making a little bit of money and you remember this, deed, because your dad and you got on me constantly that I was living like a millionaire and I was spending everything that I made. I mean, literally, I was spending everything that I made. And you remember me pulling up in my fancy sports car before, you know, to the, what was it, that, that uh, research conference down in Orlando at the time. You know, I, w- I was literally spending everything that I had. And I wish that I would have had somebody that maybe you guys were a little too close to me, your, your dad and, and you. Maybe I wish I had somebody like Vincent say, hey, wake up. You know, do you realize that you're 28 years old making a decent salary right now? You could be quite wealthy now that, you know, if I would have saved that coming into, you know, that now I'm 38, you know, and um, I just wish that, you know, some of the younger guys coming out really need to take it to heart that it's much easier to save uh, early on than it is, you know, now we're, you know, we're going to be 40 soon. Uh, Both you and I, of course, you're going to be 40 before me, Um, like (laughs) put that out there. Um, but seriously, I mean, people need to, they, they really need to uh, pay attention when they get out of school that you're going to, you know, if you're going to be a good chiropractor, very likely you're going to start having an income. You need to really prepare in the very beginning.
2: Well, you know, in, in, in Dr. Joe, I, I, I know you're hard on yourself for the last decade and I, I you know, rightfully so you, you, you wasted a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that basketball player, uh, was it Will Chamberlain, the famous guy, you know, he said that when he got his big signing bonus, they they asked him, what are you going to do with all this money? He says, well, you know. 70 percent of it I'm going to spend on uh, women and liquor and the other 30 percent I'm just going to
3: waste yeah but, yeah nice
2: you know I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you what you did right Dr. Dr. Joe is that you know I remember a year ago you got your CPA on the phone I was in San Diego helping a doctor buy a, a, a massive home a pretty exciting time it's kind of fun I, but I remember exactly where I was and you called and, and we got your CPA and maybe even one more person on the phone yeah, maybe well, it, was, it, was,
0: it was my CFO that would be my wife OK, there you go. Yeah. Your CFO and your boss. And so, yeah. so we,
2: we, you know, your boss was on the phone and, and your C, your CPA was on the phone. We, we, we had a great conversation. We talked about some tax saving ideas. We talked about where to put the money away on a tax favorable basis, your payroll. You, you, you'll remember the emails back and mm-hmm. forth with your CPA. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of doctors – age 28 age 38 it just it blows right by and you know b- by the way i think you're even ahead of the curve because even though you were you know living large and spending money you, you were still saving some money and and a lot of people never get to that habit of just saving the first dollar getting into a routine and uh and even it, not only that but then age 38 or whatever age 45 i don't even care what age it is but but, but they they get into that habit and become so entrenched and so stuck that they feel like, I, I just can't get, I just can't get out of it. There's, there's just no money left over. There's no cash flow. I can't save it, save it, start a savings program. And that's just not true. You know, right. I, 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 uh, talk to doctors every day where they say, I don't think anything can be cut. I don't think there's any way to fix this. And sure enough, we dig deep enough. There's, there's thousands yeah. that's just yeah. getting lost in the shuffle because they're not paying any attention to it.
1: Yep. Well, Absolutely. and see that that's the next point is, Vince, we kind of alluded to it, but we didn't really say it. Vince does more than investing uh, with the doctors. He actually does a, a business assessment, and he goes in and, and surveys you know, all the aspects of a doctor's practice. And he, he sits down with you and he tells you, "Hey, this is where you're doing a great job, but here's the places where you've you've got some waste, and here's how we can change that from from payroll to you know, the, the IRAs that you're doing to
2: whatever. So, Vince, can you tell us a little bit about that side of your business? Well, absolutely. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, a solid chiropractor, if he's to be successful, if he's to be satisfied, and if he's to have, uh, you know, the type of business that's going to, to lend itself to a good family life and the fulfillment in his life, he's got to have, you know, he's got to have a good technique. He's got to be getting results because at the end of the day, if you're not getting results for your patients, you're not going to be fulfilled. Even if you're getting rich, it's not going to be fulfilling if you're not getting results. So I think you've got to have a great, uh, uh, you know, great technique and, and really a good, the right equipment and so forth. I think you, the next key is, uh, you know, you have to connect with your clients. And uh, you know, so so I always ask clients, you know, who's teaching you, who's coaching you on connecting with your clients. And uh, you know, I, I talked to Dr. Fred's clients, and you know, they connect with their clients uh and when you connect you collect it, it, you know if you're connecting if you're if you're teaching them then the value is there now once you have that then, then it's a question of okay the collections are coming in you, you you have a good technique and you communicate well with the clients the collections follow it's just as, as, as sure as uh summer follows the winter it's going you know that's going to happen it's a matter of course it's it's the business structure now I, you know that uh, I remember a few months ago, a doctor that was collecting a, a hundred and something grand a month. I know it was over a hundred a month. Some months he was making a hundred and fifty. You know, he sent me uh, what I call a business X-ray, where I where I look at what they, uh, you know, what what the whole practice looks like. Uh, and you know, he, his office manager. It said this person was the office manager. I said, what are her duties? He said she she bills insurance. Um, nobody had any job descriptions, nobody had uh, a system or a protocol of what they were doing. And so what that means is it's not turnkey. Yep. I, you know, I want his practice to look like a Swiss watch. I I want it to just be running smooth. If he goes on vacation for a month or if he gets sick or disabled, I want that practice to be able to run without him. Uh, you know, what what are the pay structures you know, some people are on salary, some are 1099, some are, some are hourly. Had a doctor that I talked to last week that did. You know, she had moved somebody from from hourly to salary because she was getting overtime. Well, you know, how does the employee feel about that? To Talk to another doctor. You'll love this. Uh, it, you know, he, I, I asked him, you know, what was he going to bonus his staff this year? And what was it based on? He says, I'm not going to bonus them this year. And, and he said and I, and I asked him, why not? And he said, well, you know, collections last year were 700 and this year they're probably going to be 600. That's what I'm on target to do. It's a hundred hour drop. Nobody's getting any bonuses. And I said, well, about 10 minutes ago, you told me that you just had a baby, that uh, you, you know that your, your your collections have dropped because you've been spending more time at home. Uh, you, you just went on a long cruise for the first time with your with your family. You spent a lot of time away from the office. And, and are you telling me that you want to penalize your staff because of this? I mean, here you are, staff. They're working away. They're still at the office while you're gone. And he said, you know, you make a really good point. Uh, you know, what, what should I do? So, you know, it, it, it's having the right systems. It's having, the, the, you know, just a turnkey, uh, you know, system in place with, with cost controls. You know, you know what, is, what are the percentages that I'm willing to spend on different costs? What, you know, the, the cost for a patient, the cost for software, the cost to collect on insurance. Uh, you know, the, 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 a big, big part of it is, you know, my, my insurances. Uh, you know, am I going with a generic company? Or do I have high deductibles, lowering my limits as much as possible? You know, what benefits am I offering to my employees? Talked to a doctor today, and I know I keep going back to, you know, examples of doctors, but really that, you know, it's, it's case studies. Uh, a doctor that I talked to a couple of days ago said, I'm going to hire this lady. Uh, you know, here's a story. Here's everything I know about her. And I said, well, <clears throat> you know, based on what you've told me, that all sounds great, but I'd like, to, I'd like to verify a few things before you extend an invitation, because every minute that you spend and the energy that you spend and the resources that you spend making sure that you're hiring the right employee saves you hours of time of firing and retraining and the turnover and the aggravation and the and and the appearance that you that, that you get from your patients that you you know you're, you're you're getting high turnover it's obviously a bad uh, it's a bad image bad for the brand uh and so today that person that candidate sent me in Uh, Her resume, and I went through and asked questions. I I had her disc profile from a personality standpoint, and I went through her questions. And then I invited the doctor to listen in as I interviewed that person. And we got done with that 15 minute interview. And I asked the doctor, "What did you What did you hear? What did you think?" And she said, "Wow, that's not what she told me. I had no idea that this doctor was wanted to be a cardiologist." So this person that they were that they were going to hire to to run their office um was just gonna be there temporarily because she wanted to go to school and become a cardiologist. Yep. And you know, there there were some things from her resume. We just looked at that. We looked at her disc profile. I asked her questions that were completely different from her personality profile. And so she was just, you know, saying things that would get her the job. Some people are professional interviewers and some things are just almost imperceptible to an interviewer. Well, you know, we want we we've got to have the right staff. You know, you, you guys all know this is that, you know, one of the big frustrations in practices is staff. A lot of times, if you don't have the right training, the in-service training, uh, the meetings and so forth, you're going to have a lot of frustration with staff. So it's it's those business things, I think, that, that, that really make life a lot easier. It boils down to working smarter and not harder.
3: There you go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you know, a, a selfish thing for me, guys, and I, I, I hope you guys feel this way too, is if we can get our, our doctors and the listeners out there introduced to Vince and, and get them using Vince and, and he restructures or h- helps them restructure their business and, and financial profile and then protecting their assets so it's bulletproof should something happen to them, then we've got a lot of CDP doctors and elite doctors, which hopefully will be one and the same type of doctor that are very well off and and happy with us and then we can start to make a difference like you said earlier fred in in terms of changing the direction of our profession if, if we've got a hundred doctors that are multimillionaires, and we can call them up and say look we need five thousand dollars from each one of you that's a half a million dollars and we need to donate to the following colleges and get some cvp equipment in there get cvp technique in there and and, you know, start to change this profession. And let's be honest, a lot of times it's, it's the money donation that makes the difference between a strong foothold in a chiropractic college because they're not government subsidized. They're, they're privately subsidized. Of course, the student loans, but they, they don't have the money that the big universities and the medical schools have. So we've always struggled with that with CBP. We have the most research and the most evidence as for any technique out there in chiropractic in terms of a name technique, but we didn't have the money to, to send to the schools and say, oh, by the way, in addition to be the, being the most evidence-based research technique, here's 50 grand or 100 grand. And, and that's really the selfish side of this for the doctors. And so we expect that if they do well with, with Vince and people that we introduce them to, We hope that in return, they'll they'll support, uh, you know, ourselves.
2: Well, you know, it it sounds selfish, but the reality is, uh, you know, it's it's not at all. I'll tell you why. Today, I was looking at the dividend paying stocks in the Dow Jones. And of the five biggest dividend paying stocks in the Dow Jones, Pfizer is number two, Merck is number three, and Johnson & Johnson is number five. I think about that. Of the five biggest dividend-paying stocks, three of them are medical companies. They're selling billions and billions in drugs. Now, Pfizer spends billions—not not m, but b—starting starting start with the b, five billion dollars a year on research and development. There are cardiologists and radiologists and all these other doctors that make three hundred grand a year, and in some cases, a million bucks a year. And 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 I can tell you right now that the that there are research facilities that are getting a hundred grand here, a hundred grand there, or when a doctor dies, they're leaving a million dollars to their school. One of my clients that's a dentist is leaving a, a, a massive IRA to, to the college that he went to. Uh, his, his, uh, his three daughters became uh, very successful doctors and, and, uh, he, he uh, he has some resentment <laughs> there because, uh, because they're now they're living really high and, and, uh, as he says have become really quite arrogant but but so he's leaving his IRA to you know it's a massive IRA to to a college uh, you know how many chiropractors are uh, you know are getting to that multi-million dollar net worth and and how many of them are are giving back and doing the type of research we've got to be able to get to to approach at some scale the type of research and the type of nonprofit money that is going into uh, and, and, uh, really accretive to the, uh, to the share prices of, of Merck and Pfizer and Lily Eli and, you know, Johnson and Johnson and so forth that, uh, you know, that's one of the great natural consequences of creating a wealthy generation of chiropractors. When you have one here in this city and one here in that city, you're probably not going to get the synergy together where, where they're going to say, boy, I'm going to put in, I'm going to send in a hundred grand because what difference will it make? But when you've got 100 people that are going to be doing that, when you have, when you have chiropractors that are dotting the country, that could give $100,000 away and not miss it. Now you're doing some landmark studies. Now you're getting on CNBC. Now you're, you're really turning the heads of the national audience, uh, you know, with some empirical evidence, with some data, with some studies. And that is what – because we have a very skeptical environment. Again, it's, it's social conditioning. It's the same thing that causes people to, to to dress the same in this country. They've been conditioned a certain way, and and, and you know it's it's fads. Well, well, our uh, our skeptical country wants evidence. They want the research, and unfortunately, research does not pay. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure. That your reach did not buy any part of this home. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, it took away from it. <laughs> it yeah. Took away from it. Okay, so uh, uh, that's why he's, he's got to park his toys on the side of the garage instead of in the garage. I mean, he's really struggling over here. Yeah, but but you know, you I mean you get the idea is that we, you know we have to have some wealthy chiropractors, just like there are the wealthy counterparts. And I, I use the word counterpart loosely, but you know there are some wealthy people in the medical profession that are donating lots of money to, to that research, and and we need to be doing the same.
0: Yep, absolutely. There you go. So, guys, before uh, we
1: end with the uh, the research articles, do, do you have anything else you'd like to throw in for this podcast?
0: Well, I'd just like to say thank you, Vince, for everything that you've done for you know my uh, my companies, and uh, you know I I just it's made a big difference, and I'm excited about my future, and I finally feel confident in the future, and you know I can definitely you know put my name on you as Ken Deed and Fred that. You've made a personal difference in my life, and I hope that others, you know, follow suit.
2: I really appreciate that. Thank you, and we will. You know, any any chiropractors we're working with, uh, you know, it's about creating wealth for them. Uh, it, it's about a movement. It's about a cause and, and supporting and, and, and aligning with other chiropractors that I believe are, are the future of the industry. I think the industry... Uh, is is revolutionizing, and, and it's and it's through people like uh, like like the guys on this phone uh, on this phone call today. Yep, thanks. Thank you. So,
1: you know, the other thing is for all the listeners out there, uh, Mr. Vince cabino did uh, uh, almost an hour video shoot for us for Chiropractic United, which is a, a pay per service uh, website. So if you go to www.chiropracticunited.com and you join that, you can uh, download and watch uh, Mr. Cavino's video on uh, on these topics. And there's some more details and bullet points. And in addition, you can contact him personally through through the website. Or can you give your email, Vince?
2: Absolutely. And 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 by the way, on that website, I I, I go through some case studies. Uh, on chiropracticunited.com, uh, you know, great, uh, great website, great resources. If you haven't been there, definitely go there. I think you've got some of the best material out there. Uh, it, it, and there's a lot of stuff out there, but uh, you don't have time to to sift through it all. This, this the, the, the things on this side. I was talking to to one of the designers of this, uh, you know, this site. Is he's only putting the things on there that are very you know, noteworthy, very worthwhile. So so I'd I'd fully endorse that. But uh you know my my email, if you'd like to shoot me an email, is Vince at legacywealthmg.com or just simply go to uh legacyconsulting.co and uh be happy to happy to visit with you on any level, answer any questions. Email is obviously a great way to ask questions. Uh, you know, doctors, if you've got a question on your profitability, your business structure. If, if you need a survey for your team, and you you know you want to get a, a pulse for, for for their vision, whatever it is, uh, you know what to ask a new applicant, uh, how to do the personality testing. We want to be a resource, so so email us. We will not charge anything to whatever's in our repertoire. Uh, we're happy to uh, to share that with with the chiropractic community.
3: One well, like to say one thing, you know, like CBP is always cutting edge and always improving, Elite is doing the same thing. And that's one reason why we have the affiliation with you, Vince, um, through the interactions. You're definitely a forward thinker. You don't get stuck in traditional models. You know, you're keeping up with the times you, you uh, move with the economy and and your financial choices are very dynamic. So there's a lot of wealth management people that have very static approaches and models, and that's not you. And that's probably one of the reasons, one of the many that you're on here, is CBP and Elite have the same energy. We're very dynamic. You know, it's always improving, and you definitely are a forward thinker like that. And uh, so my hat goes off to you as well. Well,
2: I'm not keeping up with you, you know, I'm not 50 yet, but I still try, try to match the charisma and you know, I mean, <laughs> i doing, doing my best, Dr. Fred.
3: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, why yep. don't you give us some uh, research?
1: Okay. Uh, by the way, did I tell you these chocolate chip cookies are really good? Yeah, thanks, Dean. <laughs> yeah, that's for all the listeners out there too, you know. <laughs> And uh, poor Vince sitting next to me here. I worked out today and I didn't shower afterwards. So we're in a little bit of a sweatshop in my office here and eating chocolate chip cookies. So uh, what we'd like to do is uh, end with a few research articles because I haven't been on the last uh, few Chiropractic United podcasts. I've I've been a little bit ill um, with a a bronchial type of pneumonia. So I apologize. I'm going to hit three articles just to make up for my lack of response for the uh, last few issues or last few episodes, and I'll keep them brief. Two of them are on the cervical spine. One of them's on the lumbar spine. The first one I want to talk about is something that Dr. Joe Ferrantelli was just explaining to us that he has a patient that has uh, pretty large breasts, and she's experiencing considerable neck pain and uh, Uh, upper back pain and problems, and and the insurance company will not consider a breast reduction as an appropriate intervention for her. And unfortunately, that's all too common, and and that's a a bad deal for the patient. You know, oftentimes when when women are very, very large breasted and they're shorter and they have a large uh, body mass index, the breast size can dramatically change the forces acting on the upper back, the neck, and the low back. And there's an an interesting paper that came out in 2007 out of a plastic surgery journal that looked at the correlation between breast size and sagittal plane curves uh, on x-ray. The article is out of Aesthetics and Plastic Surgery, 2007, volume 31, pages 23 through 27. And what they did is they took 100 females— and broke them down in, into their body mass index and their breath sizes. Cups, uh, cup sizes A, B, C, and D were used, and then they uh, looked at statistical correlations between the thoracic kyphosis, lumbar lordosis, and sacral inclination angles. And, excuse me, I misspoke. I said this was a cervical spine project. Unfortunately, I, I misspoke. This is a uh, thoracolumbar spine project. Uh, there is another one I, I can pull up later on a different podcast on, on the neck. So uh, my apologies about that. Uh, the results though were that in, in the breast size with a uh, cup D so the largest breast size, these women also had the greatest body mass index for their height, which, you know, makes sense. And there's also a statistical correlation between thoracic kyphosis and lumbar lordosis, whereas the larger the breast size and The higher the body mass index, the greater the thoracic and the lumbar curves are. So they concluded that breast size seems to be an important factor that can affect posture, especially the thoracic kyphosis and lumbar lordosis. And even though this is not a cervical spine article, you can get the idea that if somebody's got increased thoracic curve, their cervical spine's either going to drop forward into anterior head translation. Or they're going to have hyperextension in the upper neck with anterior head translation, and this can set the stage for neck pain and headaches. So this becomes an important article to consider when you when you're uh, intervening with women that have uh, different types of pain, and maybe they're in the high uh, body mass index category and in the larger breast sizes. So, Doctor Joe, what was your case about?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that was basically the, uh, what. What I was going to say is that you know my one of my patients, and I've had this come up in the past as well too, you know, fits all that description of chronic neck pain, thoracic pain, and lumbar pain subject, and they all have hyperkyphosis to where their their head is anterior, anteriorly translated, and unfortunately, uh, this patient that I'm thinking about right now, she got into a car accident that really made it considerably worse, and now to the point where. Uh, the insurance company is refusing to pay, so they're they're requesting all my notes. Um, and you know, of course, I, it's nice to have the research articles in hand because it's the plastic surgeon that's going to bad, as well as their GP and myself for this patient.
1: Yep, and you know what? For a fee, Joe, I'll forward you the article.
0: All right, I'll just—that's uh, easy, you know, because you know, Dr. Fred has taught me to you know charge for my service. So I'll pass <laughs> it on to a, the patient. Well, see, that's why why I'm going to charge you because Fred has taught me the value of my knowledge as well. Wonderful, wonderful. And don't forget, though, you know, you can't charge me too much because I can actually shut off the website. So, you know, I can blackmail you a little bit. That's true.
1: (laughs) You make a a strong argument there. Okay, the the next paper is on the cervical spine for sure, 100%. Uh, This is a very cool paper. It, It just came out. It's out of the journal Neurosurgery in 2011. Volume 68, pages 1309 through 1316, and it's a uh, randomized, prospective, double-blind clinical control trial evaluating the the outcomes of two different types of um, neck surgeries and really two different types of neck plates uh, on the outcome of cervical curve and on the outcomes of pain, disability, and function. And they're looking at two different types of surgical hardware, and of interest they found that n- there's no statistically different, significant difference between the alignment and the neck with them, which I would have thought there would have been because one of the, the types of hardware is what we call a lordotic contoured hardware at the segmental level. So it, it strives to achieve a lordotic angle through an anterior plate. And the other one is, is uh, simply a straight plate, where they uh, put screw into uh, the two segments that they're fusing together. So one finding was there's no difference in the two types of surgery. However, for our listeners, the the important finding was that in the patients that achieved either a maintained lordotic segmental alignment of the fusion or an increased segmental alignment of the, f- of the fusion towards lordosis, these are the patients that had greater improvement on the SF36 questionnaire and the neck disability index. And specifically, it was the physical component scores on the SF36 and the neck disability index that were shown to be statistically correlated to segmental alignment, either being maintained in lordosis or improved towards lordosis. Now, this is a great paper because it's a prospective double-blind randomized trial. If the surgeons are finding that through surgical techniques, stabilization or improvement of the segmental alignment is an important thing in terms of an outcome of surgery, then chiropractors should also be doing the same thing. We're we're not talking about different types of people here. Chiropractors are treating the same types of patients maybe earlier in their disease condition, and sometimes at the same level or the same stage of, of their disease condition. So it, you can easily argue that these are the same types of patients we see. So if the surgeon is going to strive to achieve segmental angulation improvement, then so should structural-based chiropractors. And, and that's the thing. We've been given uh, a hard time by some of our research colleagues in the chiropractic profession who work for insurance companies and write guidelines, and they say there's no evidence that changing the cervical lordosis towards uh, lordotic alignment improves outcomes, and, and that's just absolutely not true. So this this is a great paper that just came out in the journal Neurosurgery. And it also leads to perhaps bridge building, and this is something that Dr. Fred, I know you talk to your clients about, and Dr. Joe, you do this, it's, it's building bridges between the medical community, the surgical community, and structural based chiropractors. You take this paper to them and you can say, Look, you guys do this surgically. Well, we do it non surgically. And if we have patients that are too far advanced, we'd love to work with you and send them to your surgical center. And by the same token, if you have patients that are, are not surgical candidates, maybe you should consider sending them to a CBP structural based corrective chiropractor. Uh, and you know, until or so you don't just do watchful waiting until the surge or until the condition uh, progresses towards surgery.
0: Yeah, so this, absolutely.
1: So this is a great paper uh, for uh, this week's podcast. And then the last paper is uh, one of my favorites. It just came out, and this one is new to some people, but for some of us, we've known this for a long time. This is a topic that in CBP we've been teaching. At least since the mid 1990s. Somebody's phone's ringing.
3: Yes, yeah, mine. Sorry. Uh-huh. That's okay. Background.
1: So, at least since the mid 1990s, in, in our biomechanics course, we've been teaching these types of concepts. Specifically, this paper is about the sagittal plane curve in the lumbar spine dictating the segmental motion kinematics on flexion and extension. And they, they used positional MRI. Uh, so this paper came out 2011 spine, volume 36, number 11, page 893 through 898. And the title is of The Effect of Sagittal line, Alignment on Kinematic Changes in Degree of Disc Degeneration in the Lumbar Spine. Very cool paper where they looked at a, a very large sample size, 430 patients uh, with low back pain, with or without leg pain and they divided these subjects into three sagittal plane groups. Group A was a straight or a kyphotic lumbar configuration. Group B was a normal lordosis, and group C was a hyperlordosis. Then they graded the degree of disc degeneration using MRI on a T2-weighted image, and they looked at segmental mobility using rotational variations and translational variations during the positional MRI. And then they looked at the correlation between total lordosis and segmental lordosis and disc degeneration and motion and uh, correlation between uh, segmental or sagittal alignment and just motion. And what they found was they found that changes in the sagittal curvature lead to kinematic changes in the lumbar spine. This may subsequently influence the load bearing and the distribution of the disc loads at each level – such that sagittal alignment, i.e. altered sagittal alignment, disc degeneration, and mobility have a reciprocal influence on one another. So this this is a great paper on the structure of the spine dictates the function of the spine, and altered alignment causes altered motion, leading to altered stress and strain on the tissue, which leads to altered disc degeneration. It's a a simple cause-and-effect study. Now, people have been pretty excited about this on Internet chat rooms, like my good friend Dr. Ed Cremata in California. And um, it's great that they're discussing these types of things, and I really love Ed's uh, chat room. I I get a lot of good papers from there, but I sent an email today informing the the, the group there of his chiropractors that this stuff came out as early as the early 1900s by an MD named Lovett out of the Boston uh, Surgical and Medical Journal. So in the early 1900s, Lovett did essentially the same thing. He showed that losing the sagittal plane curve changes the kinematic behavior of the lumbar spine. And then a a group in 1984 in spine, uh, Piercy and Tiburall, went through the same thing. They showed alterations in the lumbar curve, changed the flexion extension kinematics and the axial rotation and, and lateral flexion. And then Punjabi did the same thing in spine in 1988. And then one of his protégés did the same thing recently in 2006 spine. So this type of information, it's not novel. It's just this happens to be one of the more advanced papers on the topic. Uh, Again, we've been teaching this type of concept in the biomechanics course, and it just so happens that this is my selfless plug leading into that. On June 4th in Las Vegas, we have the CBP biomechanics course at Caesars Palace. So if you want to have uh, uh, or get more information on this particular topic and and other topics related to spine biomechanics, then please uh, come to that uh, CBP biomechanics course June 4th.
0: Now, Dee, don't you go over a little bit proper biomechanics with uh, playing craps at that uh, seminar too?
1: Yeah, I go through proper mechanics on how to to roll the dice so you don't generate carpal tunnel syndrome, and we make sure we change it up to left and right hand so you don't create overutilization stress symptoms on one side. So, yeah, we'll cover that at the craps table as well. Yeah, I know.
0: It's going to be a hands-on workshop after for a few hours. I realize that.
2: You know, it's funny you say that, Dr. Joe, because I was just thinking to myself, I, I, when you guys started talking about the research papers, I'm looking at over his bookshelf, and there's these massive, thick, three-inch thick books. I don't even know how to pronounce the, the titles of them, but uh, you know, he, he's got these research papers on this big old flat screen here in his office, but but he's, just, once in a while, a glance at them, but all the stuff he's been talking about, he's just looking at the corner of his eye up at the ceiling, uh, talking off the top of his head, so... so <laughs> I guess my point is that, you know, for an intellectual photographic memory type of guy, he's not that irritating, you know. So, so yeah, you know, he's boring as you'd think from this intellectual giant here. I mean, you, you, granted, you, you spend more than 15 minutes with him, you might, you know, feel like you're uh, drinking from chloroform. But, yeah, he's okay. You know? he, he, these trips are okay. I, I know that after – Chicago, uh, we, we had a, a pretty amazing time at a pizza joint. But uh, I, 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 this probably isn't the time to get into that story. <laughs>
1: That's good. Thanks, Vince. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of times I mean people probably just think I'm reading verbatim from a study and and only the only time I read is when I'm doing a quote. Um uh, I just happen to be blessed with the an interest in memory for the, the spine. But but Fred, before we go, do you have any upcoming seminars you'd like to inform the audience of?
3: Well yeah, we got the boot camp coming up actually the weekend after your Vegas seminar, June tenth through the twelfth. That's a day one, day two boot camp. That's How to get people from pain into posture, into organs, completely changing their perspective from coming in with a localized back pain into full spine correction in day one within 30 minutes. And that's what that's about, how to shift people and inspire them to want to go through a correction program right from the beginning. Awesome. That'll be coming up.
1: Okay, uh, Dr. Joe Ferrantelli, any final comments?
0: Uh, no, I think uh, the, my only comment that I always seem to close with is, and I always promise Fred that I will have this podcast in the iTunes feed. Uh, I always say by tomorrow or the next day, but usually it's the next couple of days. Um, and by the way, the last one that was just posted, it was posted a few hours ago, um, nice. so that's up in iTunes right now. So hopefully, this will be get posted quite soon.
1: Okay, well, thanks, guys, and let's thank uh, Mr. Vince Cavino for joining us. Thanks, Vince.
2: Thank you, Vince. Thank you. You guys are, you guys are the best in the business. I really am honored to, to be a, a guest on your uh, podcast, so thank you. Thank and you. we
1: hope all the, all the listeners have enjoyed today's uh, podcast from Chiropractic United, and we'll talk to you next week, and hopefully we'll see you joining uh, our website service on uh, professional videos on educating the, the chiropractic professional. On not only technique and research, but on business management strategies like we've heard tonight. So, from Chiropractic United, have a good night. Thank Please, you. Guys. Thank
0: you. Okay, bye bye.
1: Bye, guys.